welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we are going to talk about CHAZ, which as you may know, stands for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. That was the zone taken over in Seattle by rioters. So CHAZ, also known as Animal Farm, coming to a street near you now. It isn't really also known as Animal Farm, except by me. I named it that because that is what was going on in Chaz, this area of anarchy. And um, there were so many elements of it that actually parallel uh, the story of Animal Farm, which is a novel written by George Orwell, and it essentially predicted what went on in Seattle. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this today, um, as you may know, this area of Seattle has been turned into anarchy and and violence and so on. Um, It lasted from June 8th until July 1st. So why am I still talking about it now when it has finally been closed down? Because this is a cautionary tale that we all need to keep very much aware of because there will be other chazzes. In fact, there have already been attempts to make chazzes. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, but you know what I mean, areas of anarchy in other places all over the country. And the problem is that, uh, as I tell you the story, you will see, the problem is that because it was allowed to last so long in Seattle, approximately three weeks, that has given the green light. It's been um, a a model for anarchists all over America, not to mention the rest of the world. Because if the mayor of Seattle, who really (laughs) needs needs a psychiatrist, so you can tell her that, She needs to have her head examined. If the mayor of Seattle could let this go on for three weeks, um, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, um, then other anarchist groups could have the now have the hope that wherever they set up an autonomous zone, in other words, a zone uh, only ruled by them, the police weren't allowed to come in, other People weren't allowed to come in, only the people who were the protesters and the rioters and the looters and all of that. So that makes people think, as I said, all over America, all over the world, that they could do the same thing and make demands um, and uh, try to get their way, act basically like little spoiled brats or (laughs) like the pigs in Animal Farm. So I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. Um, Before I get into uh, telling you the details of Chaz, of what happened in Seattle, um, and how it's similar to Animal Farm, I I want to first lay the groundwork for this by talking about 
what I call Corona crazy. Uh, coronavirus has made us all crazy. No simple explanation for that. And crazy, uh, there are a lot of different types of crazy. But in general, we are, we are suffering from various kinds of mental illnesses, psychological problems, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, and this has been making us act out in ways that we would never have expected. Not only are we acting out, but the people around us are acting out. And in fact, that is actually um, making corona crazy worse. When people around you are acting crazy, it makes you feel even more disoriented and uh, more scared and more crazy. So now, how did coronavirus do this in the first place? Well, um, it all began with us having to confront our mortality. And that's what's making us spiral down the rabbit hole. So what I'm calling corona crazy is the fear of having no control over our death, whether alone by COVID-19 or in broad daylight, by police brutality, and or by broad daylight by these mobs. And all of this is making us act out in crazy and self-destructive ways. So I talk about seven steps to corona crazy. So as I was saying, it all began with coronavirus and the escalation of fear, contradictory misinformation that we were getting all the time from masks, to how far we should be from each other, to how long the virus lasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Orwellian light lockdowns. Yes, I was talking about when we had to go into lockdown, I've been talking about 1984, which was another brilliant book written by George Orwell. Um, and uh, in it, the Big Brother controlled everybody, and you had to do what Big Brother said, and that was essentially what the lockdowns were like because of the mayors and the governors locking us down and uh, giving us tickets for, you know, a lot of money if you dared to walk into a park. So um, that, the coronavirus and this escalation of fear, contradictory information, Orwellian lockdowns, all of these things caused anxiety and depression and PTSD and suicidal thoughts and agoraphobia which is fear of going out uh, into crowds, into the marketplace, and then other psychological problems as well. Then the second step to corona crazy is economic hardship and the uncertainty and rejection of a new normal, whatever that's turning out to be. Then the third step is masks and social distancing and touch deprivation, and how that has stripped us of empathy and humanity. Fourth step, images of people on ventilators and dying alone. And that definitely heightened our panic. In other words, it isn't just about mortality. We're all going to die someday. But it was the way people with coronavirus or COVID died. You had to be alone because it was contagious. And usually the people who died, most of the people who died had been on ventilators beforehand. And all of that, seeing that in the media, on television, was very disturbing. Then the fifth step is we developed corona rage, which is like road rage, 
Uh, it is a short fuse based on weeks of increasing irritability. So just like road rage, if someone does something small, you know, cuts in front of you, the person is already uh, incredibly irritable on a short fuse, and just the act of someone cutting in front of them um, can make them explode. So same thing with corona rage. You know, you've probably seen this happening in stores, for example, where someone walks in without a mask and other people uh, attack that person, you know, scream at that person. Or people walk in without a mask and argue with the shop clerks. That's all corona rage. Then six, George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin, and this lit the fuse to all of this corona rage, this irritability, all of these other problems that I've been talking about. And then the last step, step seven, is protests broke out all over the place. They were high, you know, the protests, it's fine. There is racism in America, yes, and yes, it needs to be fixed better. It certainly has been addressed in the years past slavery, but um, yes, it can still be addressed better, and mainly it has to do with a few, some number of bad apples in the police force who are racist, but there are mostly good apples in the police force. Anyway, um, so there were the protests in regard to George, George Floyd and this police brutality would have been okay, except for the fact that many of them, most of them weren't wearing masks and they weren't six feet apart. But the concept of the protest was reasonable, except that then these protests were hijacked by extremists, violent extremist radicals, and the result was riots and looting. So now society has, since then, has been self-destructing by trying to solve problems with raw emotion instead of reason. The mayors and governors are making impulsive decisions instead of intelligent ones. They are unconsciously trying to take back control of our fate, or we are actually unconsciously trying to take back control of our fate, but we're sealing it instead through anarchy and reckless behavior and violence. Now, some of the examples of Corona crazy are, I mean, this, this was when I knew we had kind of gone off the deep end when people started calling, including the people in Seattle, the chat people who took over Chaz, named it Chaz, this area, they wanted to defund the police. Defund the police. There is anarchy all over the streets, looting and riots, rioting, and so the solution to all of this... <laughs> The good idea is to defund the police. And in fact, um, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, shocked, you know, or shocked, disappointed, um, furious, a whole bunch of things to have to say this. Um, I mean, but in actually in certain cities and areas around the U.S., um, th there actually has been defunding, starting in Minnesota um, and in New York City, and um, and various, and even in Los Angeles, there are um, different ways that many cities have taken to defund the police. Some of them are somewhat token, and some of them are going to have really bad repercussions. Like, for example, 
um, taking away the money for um, for the area of the police, the, the part of the police that looks into sex crime. Now, next time a woman is raped, I'm sure she will be thrilled that the government agreed um, and defunded the police. Then other examples of Corona Crazy were setting out rocks and bricks for looters to use. These were the radicals, uh, people like Antifa, other terrorists. Um, They actually set out rocks and bricks for the looters to use to smash the windows of stores. And then inflaming a civil war, tossing efforts at protecting ourselves from coronavirus to the wind, in other words, not wearing masks, not standing six feet apart, and we are now seeing the impact of this. Now, it's so, one of the things that really um, <laughs> gets me annoyed uh, is how the mainstream media, you know, we're, we're all pretty much in agreement. I mean, you can't, can't deny that um, according to some measures, there has been an increase in the number of cases of coronavirus. Now, if you want to say part of that is due to, uh, to increased testing, but the majority of it is due to these rioters and looters and even the protesters who weren't wearing masks and were, were standing in groups. And now, of course, we have college kids, I mean, people who would be in college if there was college, if, if there were college classes happening, um, they are, and mostly white, they are um, in the streets uh, protesting. Um, you know, some of them are authentic. They really do believe in the Black Lives Matter movement, which has its own problems. There are many radicals at the root of Black Lives Matter, which is one of the things that has not been widely talked about. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't, even within the organization, the, the original women who founded it, it wasn't just about or even primarily about uh, fighting racism. There were all kinds of other radical ideas that were at the root of it. So now we have, because it's summer and uh, because colleges, for the most part, aren't having classes where you, where you go to college, there are all these people out in the streets um, going into stores and, and restaurants and um, just invading places that they can invade and uh, standing close to the people, like in restaurants and so on, uh, and making them repeat after them these various uh, chants that they do. And clearly, uh, again, there are some people who are authentic and who really do, you know, are, are trying to help stop racism. That's great. But the majority of the people, oh, and I forgot to mention the statues being toppled, which is something that really tugs at my heart. I mean, these... Um, that does not stop racism to topple a statue. But in any case, um, so, so basically there is anarchy growing all over America with the statues, with the people invading. I mean, I don't, you know, if you haven't seen these videos, please check the Internet um, because it's mobs. You know, the people in the, in the restaurants or the stores or wherever these groups, these mobs invade, um, there are fewer of the people, you know, who work in the establishment than the mobs. And so they're helpless. And then, of course, we have the idea they're talking about defund the police. So who are you going to call? Who are you going to call when they invade uh, your, where you're sitting and eating um, in a restaurant or, or anywhere, actually anywhere in a park? They have gone, they think they can go wherever they want. And because there isn't anyone stopping them. 
the restaurant, you know, the diners aren't getting up and, and trying to fight them because there are just too many. I mean, it would just end up that they'd end up probably being killed. So, so um, getting back to Chaz, the reason why this story, this cautionary tale is important is because we have to remember what happened in this area that was taken over by these violent um, rioters. And there, as I'll tell you, there were rapes and murders and all kinds of destruction and arson. And um, that is what is going to happen wherever it is that you're listening. I mean, unless, you know, I know a lot of people listen from all, all, all countries all over the world. So I don't know. I mean, I hope... <laughs> that wherever you're listening to this from, that um, they make a bigger effort and a more uh, faster effort to stop uh, all of this violence. I'm not saying, I mean, of course, in America, we have the First Amendment, free speech and all that. We can protest. We can have peaceful protests, peaceful protests, not loot, not commit violence, not kill, not rape, none of that. That is not protected. Killing and raping and looting and arson are not protected in our Constitution. So that is what this has devolved into, and um, it has left a very, it has left a, a been a very bad example, uh, which has been encouraging other anarchists all over, as I said, all over America, all over the world, to think, hey, that's cool. Let's us do that. Well, when we come back, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. I'll go tell you more details about actually what happened at Chaz, and you will see what I mean, and um, hopefully you will be able to speak where, uh, wherever it is that you live and to try to make sure that this kind of thing, the things that happened in Chaz, don't happen on a street near you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't write yourself and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where today we're talking about CHAZ, C-H-A-Z, um, which stands for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, the zone taken over by rioters in Seattle. It really should be called or should stand for Capitol Hill Anarchy Zone. It was also renamed CHOP, C-H-O-P, um, which was supposed to stand for either Capitol Hill Occupied Protest or Capitol Hill organized protest. And we're talking about how Chaz, the question, I'm asking you this question, uh, is Chaz coming to a street near you? I mean, actually, I'm putting that question out there and talking about now um, what happened in Chaz uh, and comparing it to George Orwell's novel, Animal Farm. And I am trying to, um, in case trying to make it clear what actually happened in Chaz to discourage, um, well, to help you, to arm you, um, metaphorically speaking, to arm you to be able to talk to the people, uh, the mayors, the governor, wherever it is that you live, in case uh, anarchists come to your street to get the people who are, you know, the... the, um, the uh, politicians in your area to get them to look at the lesson of Chaz and to run come in much more quickly and stop it, stop the anarchy. Because as I've been saying, uh, it turned out to be this unlawful area of killings and rapes and um, arson and looting and all kinds of violence. So, um, so now, um, so now I'm going to tell you a little bit more details about it. First of all, uh, it started on June 8th. That is when th- this group, uh, which turned out in the end, it turned into thousands of people who infiltrated this area in the middle of downtown Seattle. It was a six-block area, but a really, really big block. <laughs> and the protesters slash uh, rioters came in on June 8th and took it over. Now, in that area, that was the place where the Seattle Police Department had its East Precinct building. And um, the mayor, made, whose name is Jenny Durkin, um, she made the police department vacate the building and leave the, the police precinct to the rioters. I mean, that alone, you know, the, the symbolism of that. 
that rioters can literally take over the police. And they didn't let the police back in the area, which is why the police couldn't answer when there were calls for after someone was shot and people were raped and so on. They wouldn't let them back in. Or, yes, into that area. They couldn't get in. And even ambulances and so on couldn't get in. So when the police left, the occupiers painted the word people over the word police in the signed Seattle Police Department, East Precinct. And um, they called it Chaz. And they, but, you know, then they started to have a lack of agreement as to what to call themselves. And that is, as uh, when I, uh, in, my, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about how Chaz um, was just like George Orwell's Animal Farm. And one of the key aspects that caused the um, downturn or downfall of Animal Farm was that the animals couldn't agree with each other. At first, they all had, or they thought they all had the same goal. And then it became clear that they each, uh, you know, started to have different goals and weren't agreeing with each other, and it all fell apart. So um, they, just like that, Chaz, some of the people in Chaz um, wanted to change the name. And that's when they started, you know, calling each other Chop, calling the, the area Chop, as I was saying. Um, so then the next day, so that was June 8th when they first came in, June 9th, they posted on a blog a list of 30 demands. And then they added, soon after that, they added four more demands. And the first demand, or the biggest demand, was defunding, or even better, abolishing the Seattle Police Department and even the court system. They wanted all the, the prisoners, black prisoners, who had been found guilty by a jury, which wasn't all black, um, they wanted them freed. Then um, they also wanted the release of all protesters who had been arrested. They wanted free health care, free college, free housing, free everything, basically. And um, then uh, a couple of days later, June 12th, uh, there was, well, all through this time, as this was going on, remember, it went on for three weeks, June 8th to, to July 1st, just to kind of um, orient you to this. So what was amazing was there were, of course, articles written about it, and um, videos posted on the Internet and um, the media, television, you know, showed video footage of of it. And um, during the day, it looked like a kind of street fair. It looked like, uh, you know, like maybe before a a concert or something. There There were rainbows painted on the sidewalk, and there were flowers, and they made a garden, and there was free food. People donated food. Um, to it. And so it was, you know, it it looked kind of peaceful during the day. (laughs) But when nighttime came, they even had, um, it looked like a street fair. There was a medic station. There was a uh, smoking area, a no-cop co-op where people could pick up these free supplies and free food. There were candles, flowers, 
images of George Floyd and others who were, had been killed by the police. And then uh, there were speeches, there were concerts, there were movies. You know, it was kind of like the 60s, except the 60s weren't this violent. Um, but then when night would fall, that is when people would go into impassioned speeches and, um, and they began to realize that not everybody had the same goals. And, um, you know, they all agreed that, that they were against racism and, um, or about the cause. Well, they, they believed, you know, they were against the police brutality that killed George Floyd. That's what they agreed upon. But then there were also people who had many other causes, radical causes, that most of the people um, who were there for, for Black Lives Matter didn't agree with. So there was the problem. Um, and even before uh, they they protested and, and ran into develop this area called Chaz, there had been um, riots uh, before then. There were, um, on May 31st, between 1,000 and 2,000 people raced into a wealthy suburb of Bellevue in uh, Washington, and they raced past the security guards, and this was an upscale, Bellevue is an upscale suburban area, and they went into the mall and they looted the stores, and, um, and then, of course, the headlines linked it to the George Floyd protest, but actually it turned out that it was the work of gangs and drug, um, who, you know, who were mainly in the drug business, and they did this because they knew they, they were able to rush in and loot and all that because they knew it would, their um, crimes would be camouflaged because they would be thought to be doing this because of the George Floyd protests. And indeed, that's what the mainstream media thought. But, um, but you know, what was interesting was, as I was trying to say, the videos and coverage by mainstream media... Um, the mainstream media covered mostly the daytime views, video. They used video from, you know, looking at it during the daytime. And that's when it looked like it was this street fair. But um, some of the non-mainstream media, uh, there was one man, for example, from the television um, station um, One America Network News, and he stayed in there for three days. And he used uh, a camera... And he, you know, he captured what was really going on, all of this violence. And, of course, you know, you can see videos of that on the Internet uh, that show that it really wasn't just a pleasant little street fair with rainbows. Then um, there were all kinds of things. Like on June 18th, there was a 37-year-old protester who lured a 25-year-old deaf woman into his tent with a promise of free food, and then he tried to rape her. Uh, on June 20th, two men were shot in two different locations. Uh, the police tried to get in, and the crowd argued among themselves about letting them in, and they finally wouldn't let them go to the site of the shootings. And the victims, you know, um, then there was another night, the next two nights, there were two more shootings, and some of these people died. 
And meanwhile, the protesters and the rioters were saying, we can police ourselves. You know, so that's why they didn't let the police in. And it was okay to let people, their uh, fellow protesters, let them die. So that's what life would be like without the police. Um, June 20th, there were two separate shootings that happened close together. The first victim of the first shooting was a young man named Dewan Young. He was wounded. He was shot by different people. And then he w- this was a block away from where Lorenzo Anderson was shot and mortally wounded minutes later. And um, Bijan Young said that his shooting was motivated by racism because they were yelling, you know, the N-word, racist epithets. Now, I mean, imagine that. Um, You know, here it's supposed to be about combating racism, and there are people within Chaz calling, using racist words and shooting people. Then, um, then June 22nd, the mayor finally woke up a little bit and said, it's time for people to go home. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, my, like a kindergarten teeter, teacher, why don't you all go home? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was going to be effective. Then June 23rd, another man was shot and wounded. Then the next day, June 24th, there was a tweet from a, a group called Capitol Hill Occupied Protest Solidarity Committee. And the tweet said, few people remain in our beloved CHOP. The CHOP project is now concluded. And then uh, that same day, some Capitol Hill residents and businesses filed a class action suit against the city of Seattle for damages. But it still wasn't over. Remember I told you it ended on July 1st. This is only June 24th. They were thinking that it was going to be uh, going to be over, but there were some stalwart people who, you know, were not going to go home. So anyway, by Friday, June 26th, there were probably less than 100 people who were still there in CHOP. Um, then June 27th and 28th, some city crews began removing some of the barriers. But then the people who were there made other barriers, you know, a second layer of barriers, new barriers, uh, sheets of plywood, trash cans, old sofas, whatever they could find to create a barrier. They did not want to uh, surrender. Then Sunday, June 28th, hundreds of the protesters who had left CHOP gathered at this park on Lake Washington, and they marched there. Um, and they marched into uh, a wealthy district called Windermere, where Mayor Jenny Durkin lives on June 28th. And um, now, now her, her address was supposed to be kept confidential, but there was someone in, her, in the city council who is, was actually in favor and, in fact, um, uh, organizing to some extent, you know, um, the protesters, you know, stirring them up. And so that's part of the problem, too, that within her own government, there was somebody who was actually enabling the the violent protesters or violent rioters. So they marched on the 28th, they marched into um, the area where the mayor lived. And then um, March 29th, I mean March, why am I saying March? Monday, June 29th, um, there was another shooting in shop. That was the final one. 
Uh, in this one, two young black men in a Jeep Cherokee were shot and were taken to Harborview Hospital where one man died. I mean, yeah, this is all supposed to be in support of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, this is the irony and the tragedy. It's supposed to be a black, about Black Lives Matter, and instead black people are being called the N-word and are being killed. That's what happens when there is lawlessness. Um, then they were also trying to say that uh, this uh, violence, they were excusing the violence, they were saying that it was due to capitalism, and, um, and then finally, the police chief, whose name is Carmen Best, she was trying to get the police, she didn't want to leave the precinct in the first place, and she was trying to get the police back into their precinct um, to help with all the crime that was happening there, and it was the mayor who was opposing her. And then finally, the police chief said on June 29th, she said, enough is enough. And then finally, on July 1st, the mayor issued an order to clear the area. I mean, before she was just saying, hey, folks, go home. (laughs) Why don't you all go home? It's like someone at a party, you know. There are all these drunken people using drugs and drunk and all that at a party. And and the owner of the house comes in and says, hey, says, hey. You know, why don't you all go home now? I mean, that's how effective it was, right? Finally, um, on July 1st, the mayor came, actually issued an order, you know, something more uh, definitive, and the police came in in riot gear, and they cleared CHOP with the help of the Bellevue police, and they arrested at least 32 people, and um, that was the end of CHOP, but not the end of the impact of CHOP. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about Animal Farm and why I say that CHOP or CHAZ or whatever you want to call it um, is Animal Farm come to life. So stay tuned. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Chaz, also called CHOP, also called Anarchy. Um, Is Chaz going to come to a street near you? Well, I'm sure by now um, you are certainly hoping after I've described the details, and I'm sure you probably knew about some of them anyway, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, it it has been for the most part glossed over by media who wanted to make it seem, by the mainstream media, who wanted to make it seem like it was just this big um, peaceful party, street fair. Uh, And, you know, what's funny is there was a... um, uh, a reporter, you know, a camera crew there during the day, and uh, he was talking uh, to the camera and, you know, doing a report and saying, talking about the Chaz being like a street fair. And one of the protesters, you know, who wanted to uh, uh, believe that this was a much more serious kind of thing, this isn't just a street fair, this is where we want our demands met. What do you mean street fair? So he got really angry and told, told the reporter off. What do you say? Don't call this a street fair. So, again, the importance of why I'm talking to you about this today is because we have to make sure that there are no chazzes or chops or anarchy, areas of anarchy, anyplace else. And they, there are anarchists, especially between now and the election. There are people who are determined, radicals who are determined to cause more anarchy between now and the election in order to make people in America unhappy and angry and blame President Trump for this. When I can assure you, (laughs) not only does President Trump not want anarchy in America, um, but, uh, you know, he, he he certainly wasn't the one behind spurring these people to cause these riots and looting and all of that. So, um, so you need to uh, really keep, I mean, we need to, to um, keep the lesson of Chaz and Chop in our memory, not forget about it as, oh, yeah, that's that thing that happened in Seattle. What was that again? No. <laughs> we need to remember it and stamp it out, stomp it out before it multiplies. So, okay, so now I'm going to tell you about Animal Farm. Animal Farm was, is a novel about a dystopian society written by a man called George Orwell, who also wrote 1984. And both of these, uh, these are classic books. Um, they are, um, they're brilliant. They are, uh, they were written, you know, quite a while ago. And um, they are, are predictors, you know, at the time it was considered dystopian, like in what a future world could look like um, in, a, in a very evil sort of way. But now, you know, many years later, it's turning out that um, he, he was right. He predicted this. And, you know, it was in his imagination at one time, but, um, but now it's actually, we're seeing it happen 
before our very eyes, and it is not pretty. So, Animal Farm is a story um, about a farm. <laughs> imagine that. With animals. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Where, uh, particularly pigs, and um, uh, they, one, the animals weren't happy on the farm because they weren't being well taken care of by, a, by Farmer Jones, you know, the man who, um, who ran the farm. Um, he, uh, I'm just trying to look up, Animal Farm was written in 1945, and 1984 was written in 1949. So look, you know, ages ago, a while ago, years ago, decades before, before it would have been obvious to anyone that this kind of thing would be happening. So, all right, so uh, these animals on the farm, especially the pigs, were not happy with how well or Farmer Jones was taking care of them, that he, he wasn't taking care of them very well. And Farmer Jones was living like a king, you know, very, he had all these um, nice things in his farmhouse. And, um, and he was living very well while these animals, you know, weren't getting fed on time and so on. And so one day... Um, he and, and he, Farmer Jones liked to drink. And one day, Farmer Jones was drinking, and he forgot to feed the pigs and the other animals. And uh, one of the pigs, who was very well respected, uh, a wise old pig named Old Major, got the animals, gave a speech, and got the animals all whipped up into a frenzy about how we need to do something. We need to, you know, uh, take over the farm. We need to make sure that we are being taken care of better than the way Farmer Jones is doing that. And so um, he got them, he sparked a rebellion. And um, soon after he gave this rousing speech, he died. So he became like a martyr. And um, so similarly, you know, I'm going to compare to what's happening now in, in real time. Um, so similarly to what ha- was happening on Animal Farm, we haven't necessarily been running the farm perfectly. That is to say, there are still some bad apples in the police force. And there are still some examples, you know, around of racism. Um, and that does need to change. So uh, the death of George Floyd, just like the death of Old Major, sparked this rebellion. So the difference is, however, I mean, the the racism, yes, does need to be eliminated from the police force and from all areas of life, but not by violence, looting, or takeovers of American cities. Now, my... um, Uh, suggestion for recommendation for what to do in terms of the police is that there should be mandatory recertification of the psychological health police officers, just like there's mandatory recertification on their duty weapons. They are tested every one to two years to see whether they are um, accurate and, uh, you know, remember how to shoot their duty weapon well, whether they're proficient with that so that there aren't accidents. Um, and so I'm saying that there should be a similar mandatory recertification every one to two years of police officers' psychological health because um, police officers are exposed, some more than others, to horrific 
scenes of violence, and um, some more than others are going to be vulnerable to suffering PTSD from all of this exposure. And so when you, are, when you have post-traumatic stress disorder, one of the symptoms is being hypervigilant, and another symptom is having an exaggerated startle response. So in other words, if somebody makes a noise, or, um, you know, or you're, you're somewhat paranoid in terms of hypervigilant. You're looking for things. I mean, that's their job. They're looking for people about to commit a crime. But if this has gotten um, exaggerated because of all their violent experiences, then, uh, and, and then them be coming down with PTSD, um, this will make them fear for their lives more which will make them feel justified in using excessive force more. Now, of course, um, with Black Lives Matter being so violent, or, or at, at the very least, their protests being hijacked by people who are violent, um, that is making the police more afraid, consciously or unconsciously, more afraid of people who are black. I mean... <laughs> I mean, if you're having black people, you know, in these protests being violent towards you, and, and p- people have been doing, not just black people, but people, rioters, um, have, been, have been so violent towards the police uh, in Seattle and elsewhere, and New York, Los Angeles, and the mayors and governors have been telling the police to stand down, meaning to just stand there and not do anything. That gives free reign to the violent um, rioters. And also, again, that is a model for other anarchists to think, huh, look, we can, uh, I like that, uh, <laughs> I like that Louis Vuitton first. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I don't know that they're saying <laughs> that the rioters who are mostly men are saying, I like that Louis Vuitton first. But you get the picture. I like that television. You know, I like the whatever. Um, I'm going to just go and take it because the police aren't going to do anything. You know, they know that it's politically incorrect if they go after me and arrest me or or do anything violent to me. So I'm going to just go and take things. And there has been such violence towards the police. Even um, the mayor of Seattle stopped the police from using tear gas, for example, in Chaz. Anyhow, so the question is, why have we, like Farmer Jones, Abandon the farm to violent rioters because the, and the animals in Animal Farm uh, have a riot, you know, do a, have a rebellion, and they run Farmer Jones off the farm. So um, what I'm saying is why, why have we abandoned our farm? Why have we abandoned America to these violent rioters? And the answer is because the coronavirus lockdowns and the fear of our own mortality have distracted us and exhausted us and depressed us. And many of us are suffering from anxiety and depression and PTSD and more uh, and suicidal thoughts, making us more susceptible to being frightened by rioters and looters. You know, some of us are feeling like shadows of our former selves So the question is, have we given up on saving our country? Chaz and Chop was no longer, was not about racism, as I explained in the various examples where they turned against black people. 
Um, it, it was about rebellious kids having temper tantrums and wanting a world without parents. They don't want. They didn't want any authority figures telling them what to do, telling them that anarchy isn't acceptable. Just like the animals of Animal Farm, the squatters in Chaz or Chop began arguing amongst themselves, as I described, fighting to change the rules, and waking up to the realization that there were always too many different agendas to be able to agree on a set of rules or plans to begin with. So that's exactly what happened in Animal Farm. They ran the farmer off the farm. They started taking care of the farm themselves. For a while it worked. Then they realized, you know, each, each animal or each type of animal, wanted to be, um, well, even amongst themselves, I mean, even amongst the same type of animals, the pigs, for example, they were arguing amongst themselves, and there, was no, there were no cops, no police, no farmer drones, and um, ultimately, they self-destructed. So, my, I started a hashtag, Take Back the Farm, and um, that is what we all in America need to do. Uh, before things get more out of control. Now, some things have been happening um, since Chaz and Chaz and Chop. I think that that was kind of a uh, warning. Some mayors and governors took it to heart. Certainly, President Trump took it to heart. He had he called in the National Guard. He made the National Guard even early on, uh, before Chaz and Chop got out got out of control. He told. Um, mayors and governors that they could call in the National Guard. He provided that to them. And yet many of them did not do that. Like in New York, they didn't take advantage of that. They didn't call in the National Guard. And so police forces were just left to themselves. The morale amongst the police is like non-existent. And we cannot let our country fall into a state of total anarchy like there was in Chaz or Chop in Seattle. We need to make sure that this doesn't happen on a street near you. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.